Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our podcast, In Conversation, where I chat to health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out what they do and how their story can help you through modern motherhood. If you're loving what you're listening to, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. A little love goes a long way. Hello, Passion Mama podcast listeners. It's so good to be back behind the microphone this month. And thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. A lot of time and effort, I guess, goes into preparing and editing, God, the editing of these podcasts. So it's really nice to know that there's a group of listeners out there who tune in month on month, um, episode by episode. So just a massive thank you from me. In this episode, I sit and chat with Sophie Barron, who is the founder of a company called Mama Made. Now, you might have already heard me wax lyrical about Mama Made products on the Instagram stories, but if you haven't, Mama Made are a frozen baby and toddler food delivery company. And I was introduced to Sophie right at the beginning of my Passion Mama journey. I think sort of at the early start of her journey with Mama Made. And it's been absolutely amazing to see how she has grown uh, into such a successful business. And not only through the products that she is delivering, but also the community that she is building around weaning and supporting mums and parents really navigate this journey. And this is what our episode is actually all about. We're talking about where to start with weaning and where to go from weaning, I think. So we, we touch on how and when to start, moving on from first tastes. We also look at weaning and feeding schedules, which is something that I personally was quite confused by at the start of my journey with Phoenix. She also has some tips for fussy eaters, particularly around the toddler stage. And we also look at how to actually manage the constant tedium of cleaning up and also the importance of managing food waste. And we wrap up the conversation by looking at demystifying some of the stigmas around frozen food and also salt content. Once you listen to this episode, if you love it, I would absolutely um, love it if you could subscribe to the podcast or leave us a review or even better, forward this episode to a friend who you know might be starting or thinking about their weaning journey with their little one. A little love goes a long way, podcast listeners, and I would love your help in spreading the Pasha Mama message. Enjoy. Sophie, I want to say welcome back to the Passion Mum podcast because you were my first ever podcast guest. Like I didn't even have a microphone. I had this like small little thing and plugged into my phone and we did it in like the basement studio of a fitness place that I used to work at. So thank you so much for coming back. It's so nice to see you. Oh my gosh, Ariana, I just got so emotional. Like I really like remembering that moment and like how far we've both come since that day. And you kept being not a mom but like I'm gonna be one day and I have this idea and it was just yeah just incredible to see your vision come to life in that oh. moment we were literally on the floor with like yeah. a microphone between us <laughs> like, yeah 
yeah back and, forth. and now look at me with an actual microphone and our headphones we look we look so professional Sophie you I'm so professional <laughs> I mean I just started out my microphone situation <laughs> you've got the kit <laughs> Um, well, for me also, I mean, you were a massive supporter of Passion Mama right from the beginning. We kind of met through our co-working space, actually, and you guys were so supportive of what I was trying to do. You specifically were so supportive of what I was trying to do. And Mama Made has just grown from strength to strength. I think it's absolutely amazing. I have literally just finished uh lunch with phoenix uh i gave him the quinoa with hearty veg and he absolutely loves it um (laughs) so today we are going to be talking about weaning kind of where to start with it and navigating some of the challenges that i know a lot of our community uh face as they sort of approach this monumental it feels like a monumental milestone it was one that i was really really excited to do because you know, I've done, I've sat in on so many weaning workshops that I was like just dying to get started. But I appreciate that it can come with, it can be quite scary and quite a daunting time for a lot of parents. So let's start, I guess, at the beginning. If you're considering weaning, when do you start and what do you start with? Yeah, I think a lot of people feel the way that you did though, this kind of like excitement of getting to that next chapter. You know, it's sort of this moment of like, your baby's maybe becoming more interactive. You feel like you can actually see them as like a human versus just this like, you know, baby that they just eat, drink milk and eat and everything. So um, for a lot of parents coming up to weaning is a really big moment and it can be equal parts, exciting, overwhelming, scary, um, you know, any option between that. So what we, there's sort of that like marker of six months, but I always say it's just a marker. Like you wouldn't necessarily say, expect a baby of 12 months to be walking any more than you'd expect a baby of 18 months to be walking. And and it's about that kind of spectrum of development that shows when a baby's ready. And the main, the signs that you're looking out for are signs that indicate that your baby is cognitively and physically ready to start eating solids. So there's obviously lots of like well-meaning grandparents and parents and people who might say, oh, your baby's waking up in the night or they seem very hungry, you know, just give them some food, just give them some food. But the reason that we're looking for these signs, which are um, a baby that can sit up well, even if a bit supported, a baby that can, because they're sitting up well, can move their hands around and therefore bring things to their mouth, and a baby that's kind of lost that reflex to push food out. All of these signs indicate that your baby is ready to be sitting in a high chair and eating food. And what we find is that when your baby is actually demonstrating these signs, the whole process goes a lot smoother. And I can speak to that from experience because with Arthur, I was sort of like, "Eh, he's like more or less there. He's like 90% there. I'm just going to start because I'm feeling impatient. I love weaning. I like think it's a great time. I was ready to be out of that kind of newborn base. And yeah, with Arthur, it just took ages. Um, Not to say it wouldn't have taken ages if he, you know, if I had been definitely ready, but um, yeah, sort of long rambling answer to say, really think about, um, you know, why it is you might want to start introducing solids before seeing those signs. And, you know, it could be that a doctor's recommended it, of course, follow your doctor's recommendations, but um, these signs of readiness are are actually quite important to the process. Yeah, great. And as you say, I like that, you know, it's about, it's not necessarily hit six months and it's like, go, go, go. It's, it is like a, an estimated average thing, but it's all about the signs of readiness, which I think are important. 
once you see those signs, how do you start? Do you start, you know, I hear the term or read a lot about the term like first tastes and things like that. How do you approach literally their first taste to something other than formula or milk? So I like to think about it, not just about that first taste, but that first sort of experience of the mealtime. What we're trying to do with weaning and, and bearing this in mind is you're teaching your baby a complex skill, which is you're teaching them how to eat as part of the family at the table. That's the ultimate goal of weaning. And that's probably like something that we, we maybe forget. Or we don't think about as much when we're thinking about, oh, did he have this vegetable, that vegetable? Like you're teaching your baby how to eat as part of the family. That's eventually the goal. Um, and it's a complex skill to chew. You know, it's to, you have to break down the food. You have to move it around your mouth, move it to the back. And there's many different ways to achieve that learning process. Um, and there's really no right or wrong. And there's really no like silver bullet that's going to make it a really painless, <laughs> perfect process where your baby comes out of it preferring kale over banana. I mean, like all of us would more or less choose a sweet food over a not sweet food. So you've not done anything wrong if by the end of this, your baby is not, you know, determined to, to eat only kale. Um, so in terms of like the first foods, then you can think about foods that are nourishing. You want to think about foods that are teaching them something and that's going to be different. It can be based on your culture. It can be based on what's local. It can be based on, you know, what's in season. Um, my first dog, my first child, I introduced a bit of leek, um, just the white bit. And then with Arthur, I just took out a butternut squash mama made puree and that's what he had. So, I mean, their tummies are so small. And in these first few weeks, they're really just learning about this experience of sitting at a table and kind of playing with the food. And um, yeah, there's a lot they're learning basically in these first few weeks. Um, and I would focus less on the kind of, what are you giving in more? Like, how is this nourishing them? How is this helping them to understand what the mealtime journey is all about? That's a really, yeah, that's a really nice way of looking at it. And I actually, there was a quote somewhere that I read about, it's not about us joining the baby at the high chair, it's about the baby joining us at the dining table, which I think was just a different way of saying exactly what you're saying in that the ultimate goal is to have your child sit with you at, at the table and, and eat. What would you say to um, parents who are, have kind of just have, have sort of, started the, the journey started the process of weaning but you know the baby will only 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 really want fruit for example I know that you know it's not about I'm not going to necessarily always opt for a, the kale I absolutely hate kale. <laughs> kale so I'm with you on that but what if you know it's sort of noticeable that they definitely have a preference towards the sweeter things how can we start to, is it, you know, you have to keep trying, I don't know what it was, seven, 15, 20 times before they, they might like the taste. Is it just sort of perseverance and just offering it to them, making it readily available to them so that they have that choice? Or is there a different way to kind of find the balance? Yeah, exactly. So a lot of parents will come to us. So we at Mama made me do these sort of one-to-one -one coaching calls, these consultations where we get a lot of parents being like, I've done something really wrong because my baby only wants fruit and I feel like a terrible parent and they're really upset about it. So I will just give you guys, whoever's listening, the reassurance that your baby, you've done nothing wrong. If your baby only prefers fruit, it's very normal. And you 
may have already heard um, about, as you mentioned, Ariana, the kind of um, repeated exposure so that it, it can take a baby up to, let's say, 20 tries to actually learn to like a food. Um, that's absolutely true. And what when we think about introducing solids, that's why we always say it's about you know whether or not you're introducing those bitter green veg first. Um, that matters less than the overall variety that they're receiving over time and repeated exposure. So if your baby loves strawberries and will only eat strawberries, then you can also think about offering something else alongside those strawberries and then just keep offering that food. So the main thing that where parents do go wrong is they just stop offering the other foods. They just And that's when you get into kind of fussy toddlers and mealtime battles and those kinds of things, because you just say to yourself, oh, I don't have the energy for this today. I'm just going to, and I believe me, I've been there. I am there. I am currently dealing with that like I am there but it's just reminding yourself let me just give that very tiny bit because sometimes babies can also get they can also get very overwhelmed by bigger portions of foods that they don't like as much so you know giving a, a plate of strawberries and a tiny bit of broccoli next to the strawberries and just to reassure like when we talk about exposure we're not necessarily talking about a baby that's like eating the whole thing up like even just picking it up and like squishing it between their fingers if they drop it off the high chair all of these things are exposing them to that food and all of these things are like a learning process for them so um the best example i can give of this is my daughter liba um for about a year she would not eat a mushroom which is like fair enough like who not it's not like a food you need to love in life but anyway um <laughs> she I used to give her like just a small amount of mushroom on every plate and this was when she was over one and she would kind of say to me like no mushrooms and she no mushrooms no mushrooms and then you just keep offering it small amount no pressure okay you're not gonna eat that today and then yeah literally right before she turned two she's like I love mushrooms okay so like I'm rolling my eyes now. That's like that's that's the face I just made for anyone listening. Like it was the most ridiculous thing. But um yeah, so long story short, you can um keep offering those foods. Don't give up on it. Think about different ways. There's no harm in combining it as well. Like for especially a small baby, like you can combine these flavors to help them get used to these flavors. Um you can combine them with the milk that they're they're drinking. So combining a bit of, if you're offering purees in particular, you can offer a bit of spinach with breast milk or offering, you know, the, the kale with a bit of banana, which is actually a mix that we do at Mama Made. So helping them get used to those bitter flavors. You're not doing anything wrong by balancing it with a bit of a sweetness. And then you can always dial down the, the kind of ratio of sweet to not sweet. Mm, that's a really good idea. And you touched on fussy, fussy eaters or fussy toddlers, which, um, I have two follow-up questions for you on yeah, that. Yeah, sorry, I might have like made things worse by mentioning that, but yeah. No, yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> I wasn't going to go down that route, but now you brought it up, I actually do, because I'm just, I'm actually just very interested. So the first thing I'd ask is, I saw on uh, somebody's Instagram the, you know, the very, the, they're sort of everywhere, the, 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 the suction plates that then have like compartmentalized sections of the plate. Yeah. I heard that introducing those at a really early stage can then potentially lead to fussy eating because I can, I can, and I can completely understand why. I don't know if it's true, but I could completely understand why because food, the foods are sort of kept separately, but actually when you eat without the separating, which is most adults, um, food touches each other. So do you think there's a little bit of truth in that introducing sort of separation within the the, the plate or is it, does it not actually matter too much? Yeah, I guess what I'll touch on is that anxiety that something you do during weaning will cause fussiness or that there's something you can do in weaning to prevent fussiness, which to some degree is true of both. 
but again, there's no silver bullet and there's no totally right or totally wrong way to do things. It really does come down to how we as parents are interacting with our kids over mealtime and how we're helping them learn about the food. So, you know, I don't see anything inherently wrong in offering a child a divided plate if you're also offering them the opportunity to be picking up and touching their food and giving them the opportunity to try these different flavors and giving them the opportunity to you know join you in the kitchen when you're prepping the food and obviously that's more relevant for a baby of like phoenix's age and maybe a baby just getting started with weaning but again like there's nothing that you're and that sorry on the same token you can feed a baby only bitter green veg and they're still going to be a fussy eater because some toddlers are just fussy so so it, there's a lot at play that causes confidence and not confidence but as long as you're offering variety as long as you're giving them that opportunity to really understand their food and, and kind of play with it and touch it and not fear it and you're also saying to yourself I respect and I trust my child to that they know what amount of food that they want to eat so that's another important point is not basically force feeding in any way, not forcing a child to eat when they don't want to. Um, if they're seeming upset in the high chair, not forcing them to sit in the high chair. So all of these little actions that we can do as parents to help promote confidence can help sort of, I guess, mitigate fussiness. But I wouldn't think that in and of themselves, these plates will cause any issues. It's, it's a lot, there's a lot more layers to, to what happens in yeah, that experience. That's a really, really good response. I totally appreciate it. It's, um, it's really nuanced. I saw the video of that thing and I was like, I was like, we must throw that thing away. We can't use that plate anymore. Um, and my follow-up question then was, which I appreciate is going to be like absolutely ginormous to tackle, but it sounds like, or it feels as though it's quite a common thing for toddlers to get fussy around mealtimes and food, despite a, and I hate, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I don't wanna say, it. I was gonna say perfect and in inverted commas weaning journey, despite a very easy, whatever that looks like, uh, taking to food throughout that weaning process. Why do you think that happens? Is that because, it's, is it sort of developmental rather than anything to do with the actual food? You know, how, how do, how can parents sort of manage that aspect of it? Yeah. I mean, it might be helpful to think about also why you might see some fussiness in babies um, because it does happen and it can come down to things as simple as they're teething, <laughs> they're teething and their mouths hurt them and they don't want to be sitting in the high chair or they're sick. They don't feel good. They don't want to be sitting in the high chair. Um, all of these things can become heightened as they become toddlers. And on top of that, with the toddlers, you're, they're seeing a kind of um, improved understanding, I suppose, of how their actions can impact their parents. So seeing that, you know, you wouldn't think that a child of six months, even 10 months, really, if they're dropping the food on the floor, you don't think, okay, that this child's manipulating me, right? Like we're all past that. We all know that like newborns aren't manipulating us. <laughs> like they're not tricking us. They're just babies exploring things and trying things out. When you get into toddlers, you can start to think, okay, actually this is potentially behavioral and let's try to curb that behavior. So they are learning more cause and effect as toddlers. Um, really, I mean, from the big time rambling on, but from the early age learning cause and effect, but they're learning more about how it affects us and how they can potentially find some amount of control. And that's what a lot of it comes down to with toddlers is, is them exerting their independence and exerting their control. So it's finding other ways for them to have those outlets so that mealtime doesn't become like a battle. But um, 
going back to weaning and kind of what we can do with babies, again, it, it's letting them really determine on their own how much they're eating in a given meal, um, trusting them and trusting them in that process. Um, and that can cause a lot of anxiety to parents, but um, yeah, just trusting that you're the parent who brings the, what they eat and then they decide how much. And for some babies you might've experienced with, with Phoenix, I've definitely experienced with Arthur, you know, it's one bite and they're done. And you're like, there's no way he's eaten enough. And that becomes a stressful situation that can then lead to um, a feeling of a mealtime battle. But um, again, a lot of it comes down to how we as parents are reacting. Yeah, I think that's so important. I actually wrote that down. It's much more about us, which, you know, I think is totally true Um, because I'm doing a lot of reading and listening about sort of like boundaries, but letting the child like have their feelings, but just staying within your authority. So I find that really, really interesting as particularly as they get to the stage, as you say, of toddlership, toddlership, toddlers, where they want to explore the control that they have so I think that's that's really really helpful thank you I want to go back a little bit um to maybe the 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 first six months so uh of weaning so you know if if parents are looking at feeding and as in milk and weaning I found it quite confusing at the beginning around how to manage both and whether, you know, Phoenix should be on a schedule. I kept reading three meals plus snacks plus milk. And I was just like, well, that sounds crazy. He's going to be feeding like every hour. Um, Also, I didn't know how much this, how important the snacks were, for example. I thought, well, if he's got three meals plus milk, does he actually need snacks? Is that what the books are saying? You know, and I listened to your podcast and obviously mama made to have a, have your own podcast. And you, 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 there was an episode where I think you openly said you were quite strict with your daughter about a schedule. But then when Arthur came, you were slightly more go with the flow. And I don't know if that's just true for second time kids in general, but what are your thoughts on feeding weaning schedules and how can, how do parents manage and navigate that? Yes, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is also literally like not to fly through the FAQ, but like one of the biggest concerns that we definitely see from our community and from um, the consultation calls that we have, like people are so much like like overwhelmed by the the idea of the schedules. Um, so I'm just gonna say this really loud. Like, I feel very strongly about this and that this be better communicated. Babies under 12 months do not need snacks. They do not need snacks, okay? We're just going to put it out there. You don't, I mean, if it helps keep them quiet because you're in on a plane or you're in a buggy, like great, you do you. But like on a day-to-day basis, you don't need to worry about snacks. They've got their milk. Thank um, you. I literally, I'm like, <laughs> my hands, I'm like cheering, cheering, cheering. I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I'm just feeding him because I think he needs a snack, but I don't think he needs a snack. It's just crazy. So uh, yeah, I'm so, I'm actually so glad you said that. I've, I think that's the first time I've actually heard those words being said so like I mean some babies you will you will know if your baby needs a Mm. snack like I mean you sometimes need your child to eat a snack just to like be quiet if whatever Mm. whatever that's something else but yeah you're you'll know if your child isn't able to make it between two meals because they're so hungry and they're not going to take their milk then you can offer a snack and then you would think about that snack as if it was a mini meal because their tummies are so small so yeah they don't need um snacks and then when you're getting started also I think what people find overwhelming is that how do you go from zero meals to three meals and I always say to that like you need to follow your baby's 
cues and also know um, in your soul that it doesn't need to be a rushed process. Some babies take to it really quickly. Um, so, you know, I definitely hear of babies that are on three meals by the end of three to four weeks because they've just gotten it and they're in it. And some babies, you know, they really are up until 12 months, just about on three meals. Um, and because why, why is it tricky? It's because you need to have enough time in your baby, your baby needs to have enough time in their day to be alert, happy, hungry, not too tired. And so it's like, when you're just getting started with a six month old baby, it's really hard to find that time. Like, when are they actually like alert, happy, not too tired, not overly hungry, because then they're going to be screaming their heads off. Um, and so it, it is helpful in the beginning just to start with that first meal, whatever it looks like. And it can, you know, also needs to work for you. If you know that you've got this like music class or this walk on a Tuesday morning, and I would say like, do that. Like you need to, you know, you need that as well. And it doesn't matter if you do the meal later in the day, or if you skip a day. So um, in the beginning in particular, like you can be more relaxed with it. Um, you don't need to like give up your whole life to weaning. Um, again, it's like thinking about what are we teaching them and what are they learning and needing these times to be kind of reassuring, um, positive experiences for them. And then you see as your baby's able to stay awake a bit longer, maybe they're not getting as hungry because they're eating a bit more Then you're able to add in more meals. And so, yeah, I would say like, as soon as they're confidently on one meal, you can start to try another meal. And then after they're confidently on that next meal, then you can build another meal up on top of that. Um, but many babies, it takes up until they're like 10 months to get onto three meals a day. So we hear from plenty of parents stressing out that their baby's like seven months and still not on three meals. And there's no need to worry about that. Okay, that's really reassuring to hear. Um, you said that you don't need to give up your whole life to weaning. That is probably true, but you might need to give up your whole life to the cleanup after <laughs> weaning. Oh my goodness. I actually, it is so mundane and there is so much mess. Please tell me you have a way to manage the constant tedium of clearing up <laughs> after the weaning after food um it does get better so I will just put that out there um it does get better eventually it stops being such a mess I always like I'm this parent I would always feed my kids naked like literally I would just not even bother with clothes or with a bib um because that was just one more thing to clean up and skin just cleans a lot easier um so there's that, there's part, you know, you can do things to protect your floors, um, you know, put sheets down or, you know, plastic things. The main thing though, is that mess is really good for them. So it is sort of just like trying to build up your own coping mechanisms with mess, because obviously it's very triggering to many people. It can feel very overwhelming. It can feel very repetitive, but the mess is a great way for them to learn. Um, it's a great way for them to, you know, to squish everything between their their fingers and get to grips with different textures and different foods so um definitely reminding yourself how important that is even things like constantly wiping between bites constantly wiping their hands these are things that can sort of generate um issues let's say down the line with eating or with cleanliness so mm. allowing your child to get messy is really important and so when it comes to things like oh my god I'm I'm not coping with the mess and like you um we actually wrote a blog I can't remember what's on my head I'm so sorry but we wrote a great blog with um nimble which is a cleaning company that's on our um on our blog that has some tips there um but yeah I think part of it is just important. <laughs> I'm sorry to say um and then yeah my top tip is um feeding them naked and then you can always just pop them in the sink and 
wet them down and then at least they're clean yeah um, that is that is fantastic I've not I've actually not done a naked feed so I might try that for dinner tonight although I have friends who swear by these like long-sleeved bibs um, Ooh, I have long-sleeved bibs and they just get full of crap and then it also like goes down his neck and it still goes yeah. on the legs and it still goes on the floor so that's just I, I said to my husband Stacey I was like let's just get rid of the bibs because they're just another thing <laughs> to have to clean um so yeah we'll try a naked dinner tonight and see how that goes <laughs> and I will also find the um nimble cleaning mama uh, blog on the mum mate uh, that you guys did together so um and put that in the show notes so thank you for that um along with mess does come waste and obviously if you've prepared a meal and you think this is how much your baby's going to eat but for whatever reason they're not into it that day or that meal how can we manage the amount of waste that babies are leaving I guess behind after meal times yeah absolutely I mean waste in general is just something we're all becoming more and more aware of and with babies in particular it can just feel so heart-wrenching it's like they just everything goes to waste so um, one of the main things obviously is to cook things or offer things that you yourself would eat. So if you're going to offer your baby an avocado, then you can also incorporate that into your meal that day. Um, but starting with really small portions, like usually babies, and this is true even up to toddlers need a lot less in the beginning than we think they do. Um, and we often have like this concept of what we think is a right amount, but there's no absolute guidelines on portion sizes, particularly for babies. So starting really, really small. Um, and then you can always put back in the refrigerator or freeze what they haven't eaten. But if their saliva has touched the food, then you have to chuck it. So um, yeah, starting with, you can always replenish the bowl, but just starting with really tiny amounts um, can be a nice way just to make sure at least you have some left over. And then yeah, freezing. I mean, we're big fans of freezing at Mama Made. So <laughs> just um, refreezing things that you've cooked. So if you've made um, like a sauce, you're just giving a small amount and then freezing the rest, um, things like that. But thinking small and thinking foods that you um, and your family will otherwise eat um, or you reuse in some way can also help um, combat some of the waste. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And I like, I'm glad you brought up freezing because I wanted to ask, obviously, mama made a frozen, frozen meal. So can you help demystify some of the stigma that comes around frozen baby foods, please? I think it's gotten a lot better. I feel like when I first started, I was like beating this drum about frozen food and it was everyone's like, go away. Um, Beat it here. I want to hear it. (laughs) Frozen food, why is it so brilliant? I mean, we all know why it's brilliant because it preserves food in the exact way that it was cooked without the need of unnecessary processing, unnecessary ingredients. So often things that you might find on the shelf, like a pouch, for example, they have to have um, added lemon juice and they've been processed at really high heats in order to keep them basically shelf stable. Whereas the way that we do it is we cook it the same way that you would at home. And then we put it in a blast chiller, which basically freezes it within like minutes or seconds really quickly um so when it's delivered to the house and then it's eaten or heated from frozen and defrosted it's basically in the same exact situation it was when it was hot um i can't think of the best way to explain it you're basically preserving food without doing anything to it other than freezing it um and what's kind of cool about it is when you look at frozen vegetables like the way that the supply chain is for frozen vegetables um because they're cooked and then frozen so quickly, it preserves the nutrient value of them. Um, so there was a study done, that I think frozen peas have a higher concentration of vitamin C than fresh peas, because if you think about the journey of the food 
when the peas have been picked and then they're on the supermarket shelf and then they're they're taken to your house and they sit in the fridge for a few days by that you know the half-life of these vitamins it's just like leaching off i can't think of the word oh my god but yeah it's coming off of the of the um vegetables at the time you actually cook and eat it it's not actually as dense as that moment when it was first picked um whereas with frozen food we're able to to capture that moment much much earlier um so yeah that's sort of a few reasons why i love frozen and it also just combats against waste um and is really handy because you don't have to worry about things going off when they're in the freezer yeah and i absolutely love your meals because they literally take five to six minutes from frozen and it's just done you know yeah even they're less. just ready thought, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was including, you know, the boiling of the kettle. And oh, things fine, like that. fine. Um, yeah. I'm a microwave person, but yeah, I appreciate now everyone has a microwave. Um, so yeah, no, no, that was like a main thing for me. Like when I started weaning, I was just like, there has to be a better way to be doing this other than me cooking everything. Um, yeah, especially yeah. like. I don't like to cook. So I'd actually, you know, my husband is very good at it and he really enjoys it. So he, you know, can very easily whip up a meal for Phoenix, but I don't, I do, can barely do that for myself. So the fact that there's just, it's just so easy. It's just one extra thing that we do not to, need to think about. And as you know, which is, you know, as busy, tired moms, if we can just get something off that list, it's just nice and easy and efficient, then why not? Knowing that it's also like perfectly nutritious and wonderful for our kids. So thank you for that. No, um, it's got to My final question is actually around kind of salt content, I think, and sort of how to manage weaning and feeding whilst you're on holiday, because Phoenix was just getting onto solids when over the summer when we were traveling and things and I was like oh god are we gonna have to take Tupperware out with us all the time which I think we did at the beginning and then he's he quickly cottoned on to the fact that he doesn't want to eat anything that we're not eating like he'll just and it, you know and it, sometimes it was difficult he couldn't have what we had and I just basically give him loads of bread the restaurant bread which is delicious and he loved but I was also quite conscious that the things that we give him out are not going to be as salt free as we have at home. I'm sort of okay with that, given that I know that he eats quite well and with zero salt at home. Plus, we don't have that many meals out. But on holiday, obviously, it was a lot harder. What are some of your tips for weaning and eating out whilst on whilst out of your home context, basically? I love the image of Phoenix just looking at you like, why are you feeding me this when you're eating like nice crusty bread? Um, so I think that like, that's one of the main thing is it like when you're on holiday, it's, it's a, it's a very finite period of time. You're there as a, usually on a family, you know, it's something that's nice. It's something that's enjoyable. You're usually able to be more attentive to your children at the table. And so, you know, holiday rules are true, even for a baby that's weaning, you don't need to really obsess over it. And even when you're not on holiday necessarily, but you're at home, I always say like, don't feel like you're a slave to your hob, like go out, like enjoy your life and bring your baby with you. Cause it's actually really nice. It's really fun. I mean, not always it has its moments, but like, it's a nice way to interact with your baby in a different way. So when you're out and about, there's like, as you would have experienced, there's loads of options. So there's usually always like you know, you can usually get someone to scramble an egg if your baby eats egg. You can usually get someone to cut a bit of avocado if your baby eats avocado. Um, things like banana, bread, you can, and yogurt, um, you can offer it to your baby without being too anxious about that. Um, I would say if you don't ask, you don't get. So you might as well just ask like a bit of fish steamed um, very simply, a piece of chicken steamed very simply, then you can kind of um, either, you know, mash it up with some vegetables or just give them that bit whole to eat a sort of like a baby led weaning approach. Um, the Tupperwares are great though. 
you know, love a Tupperware. Uh, you can definitely bring things out with you. But yeah, when it comes to salt content, obviously you don't want to be adding any salt. Some foods are naturally salty or ha have a natural salt content. And we don't need to be worrying too much about that unless we're talking about things like olives and salty cheese, in which case you definitely want to be sort of limiting those. Um, but your average dish that you're going to get, even like pasta, even if it's a bit of a tomato sauce, it's okay. You know, it's like the, what they're learning, the variety they're getting, that's really probably the most important thing and your own enjoyment of that meal versus, you know, obsessing over the grammage of salt. I think that's a really, I think that's a really lovely way to, to look at it and a really nice way to, I guess, tail end the conversation. I feel like I'm, Phoenix is pretty established in weaning, but I'm hoping, I feel quite like pumped and energized after this conversation. So I'm really hoping that any parents who are like feeling concerned about it are feeling a little bit more confident and a little bit more inspired about this journey. Um, you mentioned this a few times throughout our conversation. You guys have the uh, free weaning call consult uh, consultation, which I've actually done, which I thought was amazing because you just answered just really simple questions that were uh, of concern to me at the beginning. Tell us about that and what else you guys obviously do and where people can find you. Yeah, of course. I mean, I started Mama Made really because I wanted that support. Like I felt like there needed to be something a bit more relevant for me as like a mother in the 21st century. So um, yeah, we offer these consultation calls. There's one-to-one. -one. We do free 10-minute ones. You can book into longer ones. Um, so like 30-minute or 60-minute. We do them for toddlers as well. Um, and that's, we also do the food. So you've experienced our food delivery service. Um, we've got some we've got online webinars. We've got a course coming up as well. Um, I need to double check dates on that. So yeah, we're real, we really are here to support on Instagram. We're at hello mama made. Um, and our website is mamamadefood.com. Uh, you can connect with me. I'm always happy to chat and to help. Um, and yeah, just hopefully demystify, as you say, some of a lot of the, the rules out there can feel very overwhelming. But then when you really start to think about what this is about and why you're doing it, it becomes clearer to how you get that, that confidence to kind of navigate these rules and and make the decisions that are right for your family as well well said Sophie well thank you so much for this conversation and thank you for all of the amazing stuff that you're doing um for mums and parents and <laughs> congrats for building this incredible incredible business thanks thanks Ariana well thanks for being such a champion of it literally my first podcast was with you so I feel like we're coming <laughs> Full circle. Full circle. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lovely. <laughs> Thanks.